Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges. Precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Industries for the Blind presents Blind Living Radio, where you'll hear interesting topics, fun stories, and important news about our blind and visually impaired community. It's time now for Blind Living Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blind Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas in the HP studio. We're going to talk about blind living today. And I have a very special guest in the studio, Camelia Woodson. Hello, Camelia. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I cannot complain. I'm here with you on the radio. What's better than that? First time for me. First time. You're a first time. Yes. Long time listener. First time caller. That's kind of what the radio DJs do, you know, all the time. They're always saying that crazy stuff. Yes. I think we're going to have an interesting discussion today because we want to talk about people that have vision and visual acuity. And as our lives extend, I don't want to say age, right? We, we start to lose vision. And some people lose vision in other ways. And you are actually... I'm visually impaired uh, because I'm not a total. You have a difference between visually impaired and total. And total blindness is actually, I believe, about 14% of the blind population. Yes. Is about 14%. So mm-hmm. you're part of the other 86%. Yes. That have some visual acuity, but it's not great. Right. And macular degeneration is your To be honest, diagnosis? they call it a disease. So it's like, oh, they do. Okay. Yes, they do. I did not know that. Yes. So macular degeneration, and that is affecting which part of your eyesight, Camelia? Uh, All of it, really. I mean, it's like uh, my peripheral vision is gone. You know, I'm like a tunnel vision. Okay. And I see through just the cloud, you know, and I, it's just taken over slowly, but in advancement it has really taken over a lot. So you, you have a very narrow field of vision, and yes. what you do see is very cloudy. Right. Even with prescription lenses. Yes. And without your prescription lenses, forget about it. Well, it's Being not for, worse, right? Well, I, you know, you get when you wear glasses for, well, I've been wearing glasses ever since I was like six. So now I am just used to, you know, wearing the glasses. The, the glasses, they don't help me at all, really. You're used to wearing them, though. Yes. They don't hurt. No, but they don't help. <laughs> <laughs> so your vision when you started wearing glasses when you were six, how was your vision as a child? Did you have twenty twenty vision when you were very young? Mm, yes, I would say so. You know, in a day, well, I can say they, they put a glasses on every time you go into the doctor to see about your eyes. They, you just wear the glasses, okay? You say, oh, I can see better, you know. Right. But with the glasses on, still, I would... You know, sit in front of the class and do my work and everything. My like the chalkboard. At, well, I don't know what they still use chalkboard. Now, now. they use these smart boards, <laughs> high fangled technology thing. They don't even use chalk. I, don't I know. Think. It's like okay. That's why I said, well, let me. I mean, how do you punish the kids now? You can't send them outside to beat the chalk erasers. Remember, you have to do that. And, and dust I would. Went everywhere. And I would stay after school to do that. I would have loved to do that. I used to love to do But now they don't have that anymore. These no. kids are just robbed of that great opportunity. <laughs> Chalk dust everywhere. Yes. And I guess a, a question, and we're going to have a special guest. We're going to dial him up here in a minute, Mr. Philip DeMeo. And he wrote a book titled Masquerading as a Sighted Person. And it's about him losing vision loss. And one of the things I want to talk to you about was your 
I guess, journey as you're losing your vision. And how has that really changed your life over the last 20, 30 years? Uh, It's been like mm, a conquest, you could say. I'm going through and trying different things to adjust to my sight. I can see, but I can't see. And it's like even if I cook, I have to do different things. I've changed my oven my stoves are for like three, three, three different things. I've, I'm, I'm looking for something that'll speak to me, and you, and I'm looking for a microwave, which they say is out there to speak to you. So now I'm just really like going through the changes of adjusting to speaking things. You know, like speak to me. And this is everyday life. I mean, yes. And you're not alone. There, there, are tens of thousands of people that are struggling with losing their sight. Right. And because at first I would. Uh, if I was cooking chicken, say for instance, I would time the chicken, you know, to see if sure. it was brown or not. So I don't see me cooking. I don't see that. I just don't. I just like time. You it. do it by time, and yeah, because I'm. Uh, this is. I I train myself to do these things. I just do, you know, by the time. And you get around with a cane. And I get around and you're with a cane. Very agile. I've seen you get around. Yeah. Get around might be an understatement. You move fine. Oh yes. You have good yes. mobility. Yes. But and, but I uh, went to MATC for to rehabilitation to learn how to do a lot of these things, you know, with the cane. And if I in that home, you know, kind of because you can really get lost in your own home. I mean, you know, if you don't think about left, right, or you know, what side, you know, for when you start getting, you know, like me, you know, you just have to adjust to a lot of to, to make sure that you don't have an accident. What, was it hard coming to the realization that you were losing your sight and that it wasn't going to come back? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I, I mean, some people take it different because I guess, I don't know, I, not at all. I, I just suggest to it. and You said, I'm going to learn how to use a cane. I'm going to learn how to be mobile. I'm going to learn how yes. to cook. Yes. I'm going to find a job that I can do. Yes. Um, and I did. I mean, you know, I found IB, you know, so I'm, I'm Why don't here. we tell folks what you do here at Industries for the Blind? Uh, I'm on the production floor. And you and do many things on the production many floor. Many things, many things. Operate machinery. I, I really do. I mean, just many things. It's just if they see that you can do these things, they'll let you try. I think I've used, I've seen you use uh, screw guns, assembling things, <laughs> did right? Did you really? Did oh, I see you? Yes, you mops, I did. I, I think, did. I or did. Um, yes, yes, some other kitchen and thing. They, and they said you can't do that. I said, watch me. I don't give up. I'm very uh, outgoing person. I just and then once you learn these things, different things, new things that you could, are capable of doing, then you really enjoy your work. And I've seen you, and I see you all over the facility. So you do lots of different things. Yes, sir. Yes. I don't know if I've seen you in the candle room pouring candles yet. Oh, let me tell you the story about that. Oh, I boy. did try it. Uh, and at the beginning, the candle room didn't have the automatic shutoff valve. Oh, sure. And I didn't tell the manager that I couldn't see the wax as it was pouring in the jar. Right. And I had the... the uh, what do you call it? The pour that goes into the jar, and it was just going and going and going and going. I'm like, okay, why is it not shutting off? Yeah, you know, this is was my idea. But I'm holding on to it, and he said, Camelia. I'm like, what? And my goodness, I 
put, did take the hole up out of the jar, but it went all over the floor. <laughs> and they said, no, you cannot work in here. You can't see the wax. I'm like, okay. Then me, in return, said, why can't the wax be colored? I can see green, blue, you know, all right. of the darker sure. colors, you know. So that's I did work in the candle room. And now that now it self measures, I believe it does ten yes. ounces or six yes. and a half, whatever yes. the ounces yes. is, and it yes. it shuts off at that when it gets to that pour. Yes. So you were the person behind that yes. innovation, saying we needed to shut off. It's all you. Yes. That's really cool. Yes. Should we get our guest on the phone? What do you think? Should we dial him up? Sure. Why don't we call Philip? And Philip DeMeo, author of Masquerading as a Sighted Person. Hi, Phil. This is Harley Thomas from Blind Living Radio. How are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. How about you? Good to hear. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm in the HP studio with Camelia Woodson. Hi, Camelia. Say hi to Philip. Hi, Philip. Hi, Camelia. And Camelia is not unlike you in that she is losing, progressively losing her sight over time. And we were just talking about that with our listeners and decided we would get you on the phone. You wrote this great book called Masquerading as a Sighted Person. I'm hoping you can give our listeners a recap of what the book's kind of about. Okay, the premise of the book was for uh, 14 years, I was masquerading as a sighted person by losing my eyesight. I was afraid to tell anybody because I was afraid I was going to lose my job. So I continued driving. I was involved in eight accidents over a little over a two-year period. I totaled three cars. I hit a pedestrian. I failed to see a flashing red light, drove onto the railroad tracks with an oncoming car approaching. And I was also involved in what I call pedestrian accidents, walking into walls, tripping over furniture, falling down steps, and on New Year's Day, 1985, I fell 30 feet into a river and almost drowned. Whoa! Philip, so you being with us today is almost a miracle. Yeah. And, and Philip, how old were you when you started to lose your sight and started to actually realize, you know what, I need to masquerade as a sighted person? I was first diagnosed at the age of 32 by a, by a specialist. Now, throughout my life, I knew that I had some visual problems, but I didn't know how bad they were. For example, when I was a boy, I used to go to a show with my sister to the Sunday matinees. I had trouble going from the bright outside to the dimly lit show. My eyes did not adjust right away, and the same thing going out. Also, I had tunnel vision, uh, which I didn't know. So whenever I went out with somebody, I had to hold their hand or walk in back of them because if somebody was walking alongside me, I couldn't see them. And my visual field was progressively getting worse. Along with that, I was night blind. I had no depth perception, I, and I was colorblind. It sounds like your story is not unlike many other people's story, though. And I'm yes. sure you hear that all the time, right? Your book touched me. I, I, I'm going through the same thing. Do you hear that from readers? Oh, yes. I, I've talked to many people that have RP. Yes, I was over at Vision Forward a couple of months ago, and I spoke to a lot of people, and a lot of them do have RP. Now, mine, it didn't really, it accelerated when I hit 50 years old, and then it really went fast. Now, some people lose their eyesight at an earlier age, but they retain most of it until, you know, until they get real old. Mine, I had my eyesight, uh, as I say, until I was 32 years old, I first diagnosed. And then it, when I hit 50, it started rapidly, uh, you know, rapidly. So 18 years of that. You know what, Phil? I want to hear a lot more about what you've been doing once you hit 50. We do need to take a real quick break so we can get a message in from our sponsors. But we'll be right sure. back. My name is Harley Thomas, Blind Living Radio. I'm in studio with Camelia Woodson, 
and on the phone with Philip DeMeo. We'll be right back after these messages. Are you blind or visually impaired? Are you seeking a job? Well, Industries for the Blind is dedicated to hiring people just like you. Just go to IBMILW.com slash careers and find out how you can become part of our wonderful team of blind and visually impaired professionals. That's IBMILW.com slash careers. From the heart of America, Blind Living Radio, radio by the blind, for the world. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio, everybody. I'm Harley Thomas in the HP studio, joined with Camelia Woodson. Hello, Camelia. Welcome back. Hi. And we have Philip DeMeo on the phone, an award-winning author of Masquerading as a Sighted Person. And Philip, before the break, you were actually telling us a little bit about how you had some sight, and then at age 50, you progressively got much worse at age 50. And I'm hoping you yeah. can continue telling and sharing with our listeners what that meant to you as as a person without your sight. And Camelia is going through many of the same things, and she may have some questions as we go along. Okay. Well, my first question is, do you have a sighted dog? I have a guide dog. I'm on my second one. I have a, oh. a black Labrador here by the name of Tessie, and I got her from Ben Raphael, California, guide dogs for the blind. Cool. Are you currently uh, living alone? No, no, I'm married. I have a wife. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and she has a dog, too. She has an Airedale. And, uh, no, I, I live in Wauwatosa with my wife, Donna. We've been married for 43 years. Is, you, is your wife also visually impaired? No, 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 no. No, not she's not? She does, okay. She, no, she does all the driving. I'm, I'm gonna backtrack. I want to backtrack a little bit. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a cartoonist, and I could draw a lot of cartoons. And then I went to several different newspapers here in uh, Chicago and in Michigan and, and had a portfolio of cartoons. And in uh, 1980, I was offered the editorial cartoonist position for the Milwaukee Sentinel, but I, I had to turn it down because my vision was going, and I didn't know mm-hmm. how fast it was going. But I was a social worker from Milwaukee County, and I was in a very dangerous job. I was in child protection, and I was having trouble. You know, I used to go into homes and rescue children that were abused or neglected, and it became very dangerous. I was there until 1977 when I failed to see a man come at me in the kitchen with a loaded handgun, and then I I transferred out of child protection. But I remained in social work, and I I kept my uh, vision lost from everybody I worked with. I never told anybody about it. Wow. Well, that would certainly be a reason to try to look for a reassignment of someone coming at you with a loaded handgun. Phil, it's totally different from, from me. I, everyone knew about my site, you know, at, at the job where I was working before I started working here at IB. So I, as, as I was saying, because, it's, because we walked in different ways of life, of adapting to our site, it's really interesting to talk with you. Can I ask you, how old are you? Okay, there uh, we go. Oh, <laughs> the age stuff. She, okay, like, you know, that's okay. That's okay. I'm 65. I'll be 66 here this year, so it's it's okay. I'm, she doesn't I'm, look a day over 39. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are you? Oh, I'm, I'm 71. That's it. You guys are, are not that far apart right, in age. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm very active. I, in a book, I coach a court softball team. I've been coaching it since 1994. And I've won 15 championship titles for uh, MPS co-ed softball team. And that's probably why there's a picture of the softball team in your book, isn't right. there? Yes. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the 2014. We won it again last year, 2015, too. So you're still coaching? Still coaching. i got 270 wins and 39 losses and 15 championship titles. Wow. wow. That's amazing. And, of course, your team now knows that you're blind. So oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's it's uh, no, I'm uh, I'm aware of what's going on by listening, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm aware of everything that's going on. I'm very proactive as a coach too. Phil, as as you wrote the book, what was what was the biggest point of reflection in the book as you as you sat down to write it and thought about your life? How did you think about the last seventy years and and put that into writing? Well, at first, I I started out when I became a social worker. I said I was going to write about after I worked there ten years. I would write a novel, and that's exactly what I did. And I I made sure I didn't put any any reference at all to my losing my eyesight. That's how it started out. But then as I went through it, I I came to accept my uh, my vision loss. I went over to MATC. There's a chapter called Learning to Become a Blind Man. When I confronted my uh, my disability, and then while I was going to MATC, I started writing about my vision loss and incorporated that into the other book I wrote about my uh, my job as a social worker. That's not too unlike you, is it, Camelia? Mm-hmm. Is that a similar it's, it's course similar, you took at MATC? That's, that's that's what I'm saying. It's it. He's similar to what I've been going through. Following and still the same going path. Through. Yes, yes. I mean, I haven't driven a car to cause all those accidents you know <laughs> but uh, and what well otherwise than that he's he's right on target with uh, w- the way my life is you can tell him what I to was, expect here right in the next coming years i was gonna say i was actually having a lot of trouble at work doing my paperwork i was threatened with suspension i didn't tell anybody why and finally a new director's coming in and i told her about my problems with my vision, and she sent me over to MATC, where I learned how to watch with a cane, mm-hmm. which I never used. Mm-hmm. I learned Braille, which I never used, and I learned mm-hmm. uh, typing and computer skills, which which, which I do use. It, it sounds that, exactly that, like yeah, what you yeah, guys did. Yeah, and yeah. and Philip, I I would dare say, you know, you wrote this book, and inside it there are points of inspiration in there. And what was your what was the driving force behind writing this book? What was the one thing wanted you wanted to, readers to take away? Well, I want readers to take away that you can, if you if you pursue something, you can achieve it. I don't consider myself disabled in any way at all, and uh, you can you can do basically whatever you want to do, except maybe be an umpire or air traffic controller. But you can do anything you want to do if, if if you put your mind to it. Now, after I wrote this book, and I uh, I did a lot of rewriting. I sent out over a thousand query letters to publishers and agents, and I got over a thousand rejections. But I just kept hammering away, and I finally hooked on a literary agent, and that's that's how I got the book published. And it was published in 2015, right? Yeah, it was published in 2015, and it, in uh, it came out in March, which is really kind of great because I know we read about it, and it was kind of fun. And as far as I know, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong. You can find this book on Amazon, correct? Available right. on Amazon. And yeah. also through the Able Talking Books, which is actually a local Milwaukee yeah. uh, venture, right? Yeah. Is there a website that folks can go to to learn more about binoculars masquerading I, as a blind person? I don't have a I don't have a website, but if you go on the internet and you got my you you Google my name up there, Philip DeMail, There's a whole bunch in there. There's a biography. It, it tells about the book, and so if if, if you Google my name, you go on. Uh, you know. So go on the internet and Google Philip DeMeo. DeMeo is spelled D little I big M E O. And you yeah. can learn a lot more about Philip and his life and what inspired him to write the book Binoculars, Masquerading as a Sighted Person. Yeah. Philip, I think that's all the time we have left. Camille, any last words? Good journey. Have a good journey well, through, through, through your well, life. You know, it, was, it, was, it was nice talking to you. And if you have any problems whatsoever, they have my phone number. You can give me a call if you want to talk sometime. That sounds right, great. I'm you. sure she will. She's not very shy, as you can tell. <laughs> Well, neither am I, so we'll get along real well. I, I, I know. It, it seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, you you come off as a quiet person, but you're really not. No. Yeah. And uh, like I say, you'd, you'd uh, fall in love with my guide dog, uh, Tessie. 
I'm sure she would. This has been Blind Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas in studio with Camelia Woodson and on the phone with Philip DeMeo. Until next week, have a great week. Blind Living Radio is proud to be supported by Industries for the Blind in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. To learn more about Industries for the Blind, go to IBMILW.com and find out how you can directly help support the blind community. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges, precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Hi, I'm Phil DeMail, author of the memoir, Binoculars Masquerading as a Fully Sighted Person. You are listening to Blind Living Radio. <laughs>